Hello, folks. Welcome once again to another edition of Volunteer Spotlight. Who's behind that voice? This is Ryan O, your program director, here with another ode to the volunteers that you hear on Radio Talking Book. And as we sojourn into the wonderful month of May, we have a gentleman whose voice has been very ubiquitous over the last six months or so since he came to us. And we're going to find out why he sounds like a natural on the radio. You hear him every week reading the grocery ads, and you hear him every Thursday morning reading the, uh, is it the Omaha World Herald, Michael, that you're doing? I do. Um, every Thursday morning from 10 to noon, it's Michael Fouch. Welcome, Michael. Thanks, and I'm glad to be here. Go ahead and tell us about your background. Where where did you grow up? Where are you from? And what brought you to Omaha? Well, it all started when I was four years old, growing up in the Quad Cities. Um, I was the firstborn of two young parents, and as a four-year-old, I was fascinated by the news on TV. So much so, I was obsessed with it. Instead of, you know, like normal kids watching cartoons, Uh I would watch my share. But the important thing was watching the news every evening. It was Walter Cronkite. It was the Channel 6 News in the Quad Cities. I would set up my own little table in front of the TV with my crayons and my paper, and I would actually write out a script, like, today in Davenport, this happened, this happened, this happened. And and when the newscaster came on and began reading, so would I. Now, what was frustrating, and I remember this when I was four years old, frustrating is my parents would be sitting behind me on the couch, and they'd be looking at me, and like I was cute and giggling and laughing, (laughs) and I would get mad at them and say, shh, it's time for the news, shh, because the news was important. Well, it didn't stop there. Uh, I remember when I was eight years old, and and this will date me, watching the 1976 election returns with uh, Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter, Uh and every time a state was declared, I'd run into the kitchen and excitedly tell my mom and dad what was going on, and my dad finally got so exasperated, he said, Walter Cronkite, that's enough, just sit on the couch. We'll find out later. You're driving us nuts. What was it about newscasters, even as a little kid, uh, that that seemed to excite you? I kind of wonder if it was just the fact that all the adults in the room would be quiet and pay attention to the TV, and they'd listen to what the newscaster had to say. So that newscaster must have been important and must have had an important job. It wasn't maybe just what the newscaster was saying, although I really paid close attention to that. I think it was just the act of being important in a suit and reading with that stentorian voice right. that drew me right. into that. Yeah. So well, a lot of kids, you know, they, they have their fantasies about what they want to be when they grow up, but clearly you, you must have cared a lot about it because uh, you've been in radio as an adult. What, what led to that? Well, my first job was being a sports writer for the Moline Daily Dispatch in the Quad Cities. And a couple of years after that, I enlisted in the Navy. And the first thing I said was, is there a job in journalism and broadcasting? And they said, yes, but you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to score high enough on the Armed Forces vocational aptitude battery tests. You're going to have to pass an audition. I did all of that. And I got in, squeaked in, went to journalism and broadcasting school, And my first duty station was an anti-submarine base in Newfoundland, Canada. Holy cow. And I was a 19-year-old kid living the dream. I was the morning show disc jockey on the little small radio station, the Armed Forces radio station they had at that base. So 19 years old, 
I'm doing the same thing that I dreamt of doing when I was listening to the disc jockeys when I was a teenager, when I was being a news announcer, when I was just a kid. I was living out my dream. And that's what I got to do for the next 20 years of my career in the Navy. Paint me a picture, if you would, of what your career looked like in the military uh, on the radio versus what it might look like in civilian life. Oh, it wasn't that much different. I've actually worked in uh, the civilian world as a disc jockey, uh, three different uh, stations. I moonlighted uh, as, as a disc jockey, and then I worked between enlistments. I served my first enlistment. I got out for a few years, worked for a civilian radio station, went to college, worked for the college radio station, and then went back into the Navy. And one of my duty stations after I went back into the Navy was in Hungary and in Bosnia, Post the Bosnian War, this was more the, stabilis- the stabil- stabilization force for NATO. The difference is this. You're wearing a uniform, but you're still providing the same type of entertainment, the same type of music, and absolutely the same type of news that you would get at a civilian station. Aside from broadcasting, tell me about life in the Navy. You said you were in there for 20 years. Mm-hmm. What, what did life look like for you? Yeah, well, uh, have you ever seen the movie Good Morning Vietnam? I sure have. I love that movie. Yeah, that that what, my first enlistment, that's pretty much my biography. I had fights with management all the time. I wanted to read certain stories. I wanted to be an investigative journalist. I wanted to take my microphone and go interview people. But yeah, that's not really the way things work in the military because... You are representing the command. You're representing the mission. And as I grew in the Navy, I actually turned from that rebel, that Robin Williams rebel on the radio, to the guy supervising the Robin Williams on the radio. So you went from Adrian Cronauer to Major Dickerson. Yeah, well, for, for those that are, for uh, Sergeant, Major Dickerson was kind of the was it yeah. Sergeant Major Dickerson? Yeah, he was yeah. the villain kind of of the uh, of the movie. I never was that bad, (laughs) but there were times I had to sit guys down and say, look, I was where you were. I get it. I understand what you're trying to do. There's a line that you can't cross, but it's okay with me if you go right up to that line. Right. So you were in the Navy for 20 years. What have you done since? Well, I do want to say that uh, while I served post-Navy with the U.S. Small Business Administration, doing presentations for six years, helping people start a small business, learn about federally backed loans. I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that I actually worked for a reading service similar to Radio Talking Book back when I was in college, working for the college radio station, because just down the hall was a reading for Western Illinois and Eastern Iowa. And they encouraged folks who worked for the campus radio station to improve their broadcast technique, but it was also to help folks out there stay in touch with their local newspapers. Right. So I did that every time I'd have a shift at the radio station, I'd go down the hall and do a shift at their equivalent to Radio Talking Book. Uh, Before we talk a little bit more about your personal life, tell us, uh, you've mentioned that you've been all around the world and in your service to the Navy. Tell us about some of the places you've been outside of Omaha and uh, growing up in the Quad Cities. Well, I tell you, being, you know, growing up from right across from a farm, going to a place like Indianapolis for broadcaster school, I hadn't flown an airplane until I joined the military. And so that was a thrill. Now it's just routine because I've flown so often. Uh, But I was in Newfoundland, Canada. I was on the USS Kitty Hawk, 
which was an aircraft carrier uh, that was in dry dock in Philadelphia, and we took that around South America. So I had a chance to be a tour guide for people from Argentina and Chile who wanted to know what an American aircraft carrier was like. And then we landed in San Diego, and I spent a few months there, got out of the Navy, came back into the Navy, and my first duty station back into the Navy was a small little cryptological base in West Virginia where I was the editor of the base newspaper, gave tours of the base. After that, I went to Washington, D.C., where I would spend the last half of my career. From there, I would deploy to Puerto Rico, where I would be the Armed Forces Radio disc jockey and station manager there. Then I went to Hungary. I went to Bosnia. I went to Iceland. So that was strange. Iceland is the weirdest place I have ever ever been. Really? Why? The place looks like the surface of the moon. Uh, the rocks <laughs> are strange. There weren't any trees. Uh, it wasn't flat, but that it was, the roads were slick because they were like made of volcanic rock. And it, it was just the strangest feeling to be there in the wintertime. And it's 1030 in the morning and it's still pitch blackout. What are the people like over in Iceland? Very, very well-read, intelligent, uh, literate, um, they, they're confident in themselves. We had engineers who were Icelanders who, um, if you told them you wanted to try something new that had never been done before, they'd find a way to get it done. Uh, the, the, the people who I think were perhaps the most friendliest were the Newfoundlanders. And they've, they've got a reputation for drinking and partying and man, they lived up to that. Wow. In, in Canada. Wow. Oh, absolutely. Newfoundlanders have a reputation uh, of, of being not just hard drinkers, but they've got a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. They can laugh at themselves. And it was certainly a fun place to, to develop my skills as a disc jockey. So it sounds like you could have written your own ticket. You went all over the place. What led you to Omaha? What led me to Omaha? Well, my wife and I figured we couldn't afford to live on just a chief petty officer's retirement salary in Washington, D.C. We missed it. We, we loved D.C. And when uh, we mentioned some of the top places, uh, you know, like Fortune Magazine and all these other places have best places to live, Omaha kept showing up on these lists. And so when I presented that to some of my buds in D.C., they said, oh, so you want to change cu- exchange culture for agriculture? And I said, eh, well, maybe. But <laughs> Omaha's really not that. They had so many professional opportunities for somebody like me, not just being in radio, but, mm-hmm. but uh, good-paying jobs in public relations and government jobs like the Small Business Administration. Right, right. Well, you mentioned your wife. Tell me about your family and your personal life. Uh, my wife and I just celebrated our 21st wedding anniversary. Congratulations. We met in sixth grade when my family and I moved to uh, the school that uh, I graduated from in sixth grade. Uh, but we didn't get together for another 20 years. We stayed, cl- we stayed in touch. We stayed friends. We finally got together and got married back in the Quad Cities. And she followed me to D.C. She was a small town girl moving to D.C. and took to it big time. Uh, loved the museums, the restaurants, just the, the environment, the people. And, and moving to Omaha uh, was basically sight unseen. She was basically coming here Without a job, we didn't really know anybody. We didn't have a place to live. We just figured, let's find this place and make it our home. We're going to succeed here. And after living here for 
13 years now, I, I'd like to think we've done just that. Any kids or other family connections? My wife and I are just uh, my wife and I. Got it. Uh, the rest of our family is back in the Quad Cities. So it's just us uh, enjoying life as best we can in Omaha. So, of course, one of the questions I always ask every guest is, do you have any pets you want to talk about? We don't have any pets. Okay. No, it's it's just us and our pet names for each other. <laughs> that is the best answer I've ever heard. I love it. So what are your other hobbies, Michael? What else flips your switch big, uh, besides broadcasting, of course? Big, huge baseball fan. Aha. I don't know if you've been listening to me do the paper on Thursdays, but when it comes time for sports, I definitely get a spring in my voice because it's time for sports and baseball is huge. Uh, I watch baseball games not only during the season, but I record games in the season so I can watch them in the off season and relive the season. That's how much of a nut I am. So do you have a team? The St. Louis Cardinals, the best team God ever created. Oh, oh well, I, I can't say that I'm super passionate about the Cubs, but I do cheer for the Cubs. And so we're supposed to, we're obligated to hate the Cardinals, but you know what, <laughs> what I'm, I'm over it. We can, we can agree to disagree, but what is it about the Cardinals that attract you? When I was 10 years old, uh, we went on a family trip to see my aunt in uh, Walton, Illinois, which is just north of St. Louis, and she was a big Cardinals fan and gave me a whole bunch of Cardinals souvenirs and baseball cards, and we went to see a Cardinals game, and I got a Cardinals souvenir jacket, and that was it. So at 10 years old, I immediately became a Cardinals fan for life. Well, Michael, as I predicted, the time has flown by, and we're down, we're down to the wire. Let me ask you one final question. Uh, you've been at Radio Talking Book for six months, and you have a sense of the volunteers and the listeners. If there's one message you could deliver to those people who are listening to you at this moment, uh, to the listeners of Radio Talking Book, what would it be? Every single one that I have met is passionate, cares so much for what they do here and for the people they serve. And it is humbling and a privilege to join them, to talk to people who've been doing this for 10, 20 years. And I've only been doing this for a few months, and yet I've been welcomed and integrated into this community that you all have here is humbling, and I am absolutely grateful well, for we're it. We're delighted to have you. We love hearing you every week read the grocery ads and the uh, the Omaha World Herald for us every Thursday. Michael Fouch, thank you so much for your time today and being our guest on Who's Behind That Voice. Thank you. And this is Ryan O, your station manager, saying thanks so much for listening, and please keep tuned to Radio Talking Book for further programming. Take care, folks. Bye-bye.